0: Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn. Joined as always by my oldest brother Michael King. I'm here and I'm fighting the hiccups. Watch out for it. And my middle brother Matthew King. (laughs) They'll get you. (laughs) So we are recording on a Wednesday. We apologize for not getting it to you on our regularly scheduled Monday night. Um, Look forward to that in the future. Um, but a couple things going on in the Browns' sphere. Um, first things first, um, there's a tweet by Mary Kay Cabot talking about the two suspended players that we have right now. Apparently it just came out that um, Kareem Hunt, during his eight-game suspension, will not be allowed at the facility at all beginning this Saturday at 4 p.m. Um, but Antonio Calloway, for his four-game suspension, um, can attend meetings, be at the facility, can't practice or play. So that's interesting. I wonder why that distinction is made between the two suspensions. I don't They're know.
1: suspended for two different reasons. One is a substance abuse suspension, and one is a personal conduct policy. I think that's what they call it. Yeah. Um, so that, that may be the case. I'm, I'm not sure. It seems like if you're suspended for whatever reason, you should be allowed to be in the facility.
2: Yeah, I mean, especially if it's like know, conduct it's stuff and or substance stuff, which both of these are, it's like you kind of you want to benefit the player by putting them in a positive environment.
1: Yeah, they're still not getting paid and they're still not allowed to play football. Yeah. But like why not let them use the weight room and like attend team meetings? Yeah. yeah. You're just
2: asking for Give more them some structure. You're just asking for more trouble for a guy that's like wants to be around the team and can't, is like physically is like actually barred from being there. Like, think about how bad that stinks. There's,
1: there's, you're also not like letting them gain much. Like, congrats, you get to show up to work and you don't get paid for eight weeks. You have to show up to work. Yeah. And you don't get paid. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, they stripped him of his support system. And what's, what's Kareem Hunt going to be doing for eight weeks? Just, Drinking, rolling around downtown Cleveland? He probably won't even be in Cleveland.
1: I'd do whatever, I'd do what Zeke's doing. Go down to Cabo. <laughs> yeah, he should.
2: <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't as long drink as he too stays much. stays in good shape.
0: Yeah, seriously. Um, so we had a game since the last time we recorded our podcast. A uh, huge bummer. We lost
2: our first game of the twenty. I was season. actually cheering for us to lose the game. <laughs> I very specifically did not want to win the game. I mean, down in the second half, I was like cheering for the Bucks to score a touchdown so that they could go ahead. Um, just last time we went undefeated, we ended up with an 0-16 season, so I didn't want any part of that. I didn't want it. It's just bad vibes with the undefeated preseason. Superstitious, yeah, but the, but the Ravens
1: have now won 16 straight preseason games, so it seems to be working just fine for them.
2: It's good for them. Um, I didn't want any part of it. Um, it wasn't the best game. Um, but I'm also not concerned well, it at all. I mean, Baker Mayfield w- trotted out there and played the whole first half, which like really surprised me. I thought he was going to get the first quarter or something, but he played the whole first half. With only his starting offensive line. With only his starting offensive line, no starting skill position players. None. And he didn't even have Hilliard. He just had Kareem Hunt. Out there. So there was no Hilliard. And I mean, the tight end situation was ugly with no Njoku. The receivers just nobody could get open. Like Baker was actually putting the ball in catchable places and they just couldn't come down with it. I mean, the one catch, I don't think we would have like even been complaining about Baker's Day if Rashard Higgins was able to haul in that one pass in the end zone that Baker threw. It was a beautiful pass and a great effort by Higgins. Like I don't fault him for not being able to bring it in, but it's one of those ones that looks like the marvelous catch. And we've seen Higgins make a few of those in the past. If he makes that catch, I don't think anyone's like complaining about the outing at all.
0: Yeah, well, his stat line doesn't look that great. He was 10 for 26, 72 yards. Zero touchdowns and an interception. You throw a touchdown onto that, it looks a little bit better, but completion percentage not good. But, but how many of those were drops? They were a, a lot l- of a them. A lot of
1: them were drops. A lot of them were within reach for the receiver. So Baker could have put a better ball on him for sure, but definitely catchable balls for for folks. And these these aren't the guys that he's been practicing with. Like running the first team with on a on a day in, day out basis. So Without any of the starting supporting cast around him, I don't think you can read much, if anything, into into this this day.
2: I'm worried about. I'm not worried about Baker at all. I did love hearing him take responsibility and feeling like he needed to play better and seemingly be pretty pissed at his performance. Um, And then it was also good in one of the pressers this week, Freddie Kitchens made the comment that they were working on a lot of different like um, formations and protections and things like that. It was clear that they were experimenting with a whole lot of different things, which is what the preseason is for. Like we shouldn't expect everything to look crisp and clean and to be like piling on points in the preseason. Like that's just not what it's for. You want the coaches to be able to like test out some different like pass protection Schemes and all that sort of stuff, which is clearly what Kitchens wanted to do, um, and see what some of these guys are doing. We're still trying to figure out who the right guard's going to be. There's a lot of other questions that need to get figured out. Baker Mayfield being able to execute the offense is like so far down the list of priorities. So or I, I think, or concern. yeah, a list, yeah. yeah, of like, well, and him being able to, ex- like, you know, checking off that he can execute the offense is not the highest priority going into a preseason game, is my point. There's other things that they're trying to achieve throughout the course of the game.
0: Yeah, and regardless, at the end of halftime, when Baker was starting for the whole first half, we were ahead 9-0. So, a lot of field goals. A yeah. lot of field goals. And our defense played really, really great. They didn't allow any points during the entire first half. Seven sacks. Absurd. Absurd.
1: Uh, Matthew, you got a new man crush. Olivia Vernon is going to cause problems for people this year. I mean, he's he's a guy who's... Not been able to stay healthy. The talent's always been there. Um, He is going to be a tremendous left or right defensive end, whatever. They're
2: going to be swapping him a lot, I think. I
1: mean, it's going to be – and the fact that he's going to get one-on-one against right tackles pretty often. And when Garrett goes over to that side, if he gets one-on-ones against right tackles, it's going to be tremendous, especially the Bengals.
2: One of uh, Vernon's sacks came on a stunt. And it was clear that they were just, that's what makes me excited. is like they have, you know, you're pretty much in the preseason for the most part. You just kind of line up and go. Like there's not a whole lot of like different like defensive lineups or they're not switching up and trying to like confuse the offensive line anyway. But they did stunt on that one play and he came completely free. And it was like, well, I guess that's what happens when you have like four really good defensive linemen that you have to account for up front.
1: Well, and it's, it's so tough when you've got Vernon and Richardson on that side, both of which have a quick first step off the ball. If, if they're swapping spots, that offensive line, if they miss it for a second, it's too late. If, if you mess up that, that handoff, that transition, one of those guys is by you and eating your quarterback's lunch.
0: The amount of power that I saw from Vernon in that game, there was that one sack that was just absurd. Put the guy straight on his back. I think it was his first sack of the game. But I haven't even seen anything like that from Miles. Not that drastic. Um, it was it was absolutely crazy. I mean, the PFF stats show that uh, Olivier ranks just about as good as Miles Garrett um, in game to game play. So to have another Miles Garrett on the other side, yeah, he's been yes, a, please.
1: He's been a league leader in quarterback hurries like the last couple of years. His stat num- sack numbers haven't been haven't been up there at the top, but that kind of fluctuates year to year, and it it's it's kind of random if you. Convert a quarterback hurry into a sack. I mean, it depends on an a lot. interception. Yeah. You know, but that quarterback hurry is consistent and he's always there. Our D line is going to. I actually looked this up, looked up what the single season team record for sacks is <laughs> in a year.
2: <laughs> <Yeah. It's laughs>
1: the aim Aiming high, Matthew. 72 is. by the 84 Bears.
2: 72 sacks. All right, 72 sacks. The
1: Oakland Raiders had 13 sacks last year. You're saying that's a little
2: over <laughs> four per game. You're saying we're trying to compete. with That's a it. lot.
0: You think we can compete with the 84 bears?
1: No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's not
0: what I'm saying. Do you think that we can make that sack total? Yes. I mean, no. it's a different game. It's a different. I game. think so. So I think I think people are dropping back. All of in the, the past more all often. of like
1: the team leaders and sacks—they were all in like the late 80s, early 90s. I don't know what was going on <laughs> hmm. in the NFL at that point um recently like mid 50s high 50s i think the bears had 58 sacks last year um was was up there was really good so i think if we to if we push 60s. for 60
2: that'd be sweet i mean four sacks per game is a lot it's
1: ridiculous
2: it's a lot of sacks in a we game. had seven and you have to average over over that to get to 72 <laughs> that
0: would be so sweet that would be fantastic. If we
1: get to seventy-two, um, Vernon or Miles is breaking the single season. They'll like have individual sack at, record, they'll have, right? Like one of them has to yeah. in order for, for us to get there. And well, they'll it, have
2: statues of them in this outside the stadium next year. In that same
0: vein, one of the most surprising things from this preseason is a play of Deborah Lawrence. He's been incredibly disruptive.
2: He's looked good in practice too. I think he's finally healthy. He wasn't really healthy last year, and. Um, I'm excited to see what he can provide on hit, on some like on a limited rotation basis. Yeah, it seems like he's earned a chance to get in there and spell Ogunjobi and spell Richardson. Somebody else
1: to take some of those snaps, so yeah. we don't get into a situation like we did last year, where Ogunjobi was just scraping the bottom of the barrel. Right, midway through the season because he was playing too many snaps.
2: Those two guys seem like they're built so similarly, too. Like, they're both a little bit short for a defensive tackle, like a little over six feet, and, like, super, super strong. Just, like, thick, so strong. Um, speaking of this preseason game and all of the field goals, how surprised were you to see Austin Seibert just kind of four for four? Easy. Put him right through the middle. Over and over and over again. Long of 54 yards. Maybe Austin did you,
0: Seibert's <laughs> a gamer. Did you guys see that quote from uh, Freddie Kitchens about Austin Seibert? Uh, Austin said something along the lines of, like, he's getting nervous during the game. That's why he's, he's been missing all these field goals. Um, he gets nervous whenever Freddie's watching him. And mm-hmm. Freddie was just like, well, shit, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, he better figure it out because I plan on being at all the games. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, I guess Seibert figured it out.
2: <laughs> uh, i certainly hope freddy's at all the games um, <laughs> what, what do we think about how did this happen i don't i don't understand like do you think it's just like a thing where you know you only have like limited opportunities that you know and you're switching off with the other guy every kick that you like there's added pressure to that like a given kick versus this game he knew that he had all of them and he could just kind of go out there and it was and do his thing I don't know, because I feel like the pressure of the competition
1: and limited opportunities like, is still there. I know, it seems like the same thing point. to me. Why, what do you think about the approach of giving him the whole game to, to kick? It seems I feel like if I was Greg Joseph, I'd be ticked. Whoa, Because Because yeah. there's very little for you to gain unless Austin Seiberg goes out there and shits the bed,
2: mm-hmm. right? Which he like, probably thought that was going to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, Greg Joseph. All Greg, signs
0: were pointing towards it. I mean, look. yeah,
1: but like... Austin Cyber gets the chance to go out there, kick four field up. goals straight down the middle, and Joseph doesn't get an opportunity to respond. Mm-hmm. Now, allegedly Joseph is kicking against the Lions. Is Seibert that just Seibert, from that
2: Canton Rep, the Steve Dorsch? I think I think report? that was
1: the plan previously. But I'm not I'm not sure. I mean it feels like
2: I mean that would make sense. Like if you're the coaches you say, okay, we went through these two first two preseason games. We gave them alternating kicks. We've gave, given them all these chances to compete in practice. Neither one of them is like clearly rising to the top. Let's switch up the approach, give them each an entire game, and then we'll make the decision after that. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Maybe so, but is the kicking competition still open? I would certainly say like, that Austin Seibert has the leg up. I mean, like, how in the world What does Greg does- Joseph have to do? We're, we're done practicing he's, at this point. There well, are no more... Training camp is over. Training camp there's practices. There's still practice. Um, there's still practice for them to, you know, kick and compete in. There's no... But the game, like, he's got to hit all of his kicks, but then is he really ahead of Austin Seibert, who also made all these kicks, including a, 54-yarder? 54 54 yarder? I mean, I don't know that even if he makes all of his kicks that it's, like, going to really help him.
0: But let's be honest. Greg Joseph isn't going to make a 54-yarder. Like,
2: He's got the leg. I wouldn't have said Austin Seibert was going to make a 54-yarder until I watched it on Saturday. So Last year, we didn't even take 54-yard field goals with Greg Joseph because we were afraid. Greg Joseph has the leg to make a 54-yard. I'm not like concerned about that.
1: I think an overlooked aspect to this is the work that Seibert's done on the kickoff, putting them inside the five with a high, high hang time trajectory. Um, if you pay attention to the returns in these preseason games... Teams are not getting past the 25 no. on us. Oftentimes, they're inside the 20 because the returner kind of takes a, a horizontal approach. It's to awesome. The it returner, is awesome. Which is great. That is a weapon. Our whole sp- and if he's doing that consistently and the actual field goal kicking is kind of a wash between
2: him and Greg well, and Joseph. Still a win. By all means. So another thing, I mean, the whole special team's played phenomenal in this game. Um, the Scottish Hammer... Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Boom and kicks. He played the whole game. And he was placing them very well
0: on the sideline. And he had a tackle. Did you see that? killer tackle. Pat McAfee was really excited about that tackle. Flying down the field. He was yelling, for the brand, for the brand. (laughs) Gillen had one tackle. Pat McAfee was losing his mind. McAfee's the best. Thursday Night Football is going to be wild. Oh, yeah. Joe Thomas and McAfee.
1: I can't wait. (laughs) It's going to be a weird dynamic. Anyway, go ahead, Michael um can't no, be worse than witten no like,
2: it literally can't i mean he did make the, he did cover that kick the thing i was surprised with was his accuracy on pinning a lot of those punts which he hit deep and pinning them on the sideline
0: mm-hmm. like
2: being able to like pinch the field like that is huge whatever the return man's options to be able to get whenever away. you're punting um so i'm interested i don't expect him to win the job by any means but um, I'm interested to see how would you how feel? That plays well, out. How would you, you, be you feel upset about you us yeah. moving on from Colquitt to keep? Oh, it would It wouldn't bother me at all. I mean, our dead saves cap saves us like three million dollars or yeah, something.
1: It's it's a little under two and a half, like two point two million dollars. We would save. Okay, I mean by, that's by moving on from from Colquitt. There's no dead cap on that deal left. It's notable. Now's the time.
2: Yeah. So if it is notable. Wouldn't shock me.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Let's keep going. Is it
1: is not the Scottish Hammer left left footed too? Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, isn't he? Yeah, which is a benefit because the Belichick, players. Belichick
1: the... exclusively signs left-footed punters.
0: Because players can't handle the rotation or they're not used to it as much. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so let's talk about some other positions and who we think is going to make this final um, bit of the roster. I um, mean, this is the week. This Cuts is are the coming week down on Saturday.
1: Saturday. Dun dun dun. Ninety three to f- ninety to fifty three.
0: Yeah, it's That's brutal. St- it's brutal. These people that you've been with for four weeks now, just straight all day, every day, and then you just lose half your team. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about at the at the back end of the wide receiver room. Who do you think squeezes in there at the end? Let, actually, Michael, pull up, pull up what we said at the beginning of the preseason of who we thought would make the team. I'm interested
2: in that and how how right we actually were. How, we how, were pretty much on target, I think, with where we're going to land for the most part.
1: How surprised were you all to see Jalen Strong
2: get let go this week?
1: I mean, I felt like he's, he was a guy who everybody thought was kind of our reclamation project this year, our Brashad Perryman sorts. Yep. Um, obviously a very different, different player skill set-wise, but he showed <laughs> himself to be a, a useful receiver, I think, in the preseason. Is limited in getting open.
2: Yeah, I told you this before we started recording. I think what it came down to with Jalen Strong is his skill set just didn't fit what we needed for the broader wide receiver room. He's more of a possession-type receiver. He's not going to create the separation. He's good in jump ball-type situations. We have David Njoku. We have other receivers that can kind of play that possession-type role, like Rashard Higgins, like Jarvis Landry. He's not bringing something else to the field that we don't already have, and I think that and he's look- not
1: good at special teams.
2: And yeah, that, and that's a huge thing, is if you're not going to be able to play him on special teams, making the team as like the fifth or sixth receiver, is you kind of need to have something else that you can hang your hat on, and I think he could make the team make another NFL team that needs more of a possession-type receiver. And so I think that's why they chose to let go of him now. I think it's as simple as that. But it's super telling to me that we did sign Braxton Miller, who has a very different set of skills and we know can create in the open field and hopefully can do something, at least on the return game in special teams. I don't know how much he could provide from as, like, a gunner or something like that on special teams, but – um, it'll, that one is super interesting to me this late in the game outside of training camp essentially signing Braxton Miller don't know if he's got a shot to make the team or not there's some people I've seen questioning whether he was promised a roster spot by signing with us apparently there was many teams that were interested in signing him so that'd be a crazy thing to do I mean not when it's this late you've got a pretty good sense of what you're doing why would it be crazy
0: well, you haven't even brought him into camp yet. You haven't seen what he can do. He's a converted quarterback playing wide receiver. What if he Yeah, camp- but he's 5 years
2: into his NFL career. So, yeah, I but mean- we already
0: have all these receivers and if he comes in and is not producing, I think that would be a do we have that any, would be foolish.
1: Do we have any coaches who he's played for before on the staff? Like I just can't imagine promising somebody a roster spot when you've never seen him like in your building before.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially when you have so many other capable any back-end th- wide receivers. Not that I can
1: think of. You know, like, you can watch a guy on tape and know what he can do on the football field, but promising a guy a roster spot with not having a good feel for who he is as a person seems you a
0: think little, there's, little, like, tenuous. You think there's any chance they want to go to two quarterbacks and have him as our third option, just He's, as, like, an emergency situation? He's
2: got, like, a shoulder, like, degenerative, like, all kinds of issues. He's not a quarterback in any way.
1: Yeah. He can't do it anymore. It's part of the reason why I switched to wide receiver at Ohio State.
2: Yeah. Um, but you were asking the question at the beginning of the offseason. Play OBJ. What, Jarvis. What, what, re- what, probably what, receivers. Well. what receivers did yeah. we project for the final roster? It was OBJ, Landry, Callaway, Willies, and um, Ratley.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, except we won't have Callaway at the beginning, so –
2: we'll probably put one more in there. There's another spot and that's where Braxton Miller could fit in or I've know. got
1: Ish Hyman taking that taking that sixth and final receiver spot.
2: Yep. Ish. And, Ish. And I think that decision like we said is going to get made um, based on special teams and who they feel best about can contribute on the mm-hmm. special teams unit. And to be honest, we may not keep a sixth wide receiver coming out for now
1: knowing that we have four weeks until Callaway comes back it could be a situation where you keep a a fourth tight end Mm -hmm. um well another thing you feel better about
0: another position group that's going to have to do with how well they can contribute on special teams is going to be our cornerbacks those gunner positions um who do you think fills out the end of that roster spot do we have down who we said at the beginning that's probably not as as accurate as it
2: uh, we said Denzel, Greedy, Terrence Mitchell, TJ Carey, um, Philip Gaines, and Javante Dean, which Dean is no longer on the team. Um, so that's not going to happen. Phillip Gaines is a possibility for sure. But I think there's going to be a fifth or sixth corner, and it could be any number of guys.
1: Yeah. I mean, just filling out my 53, I gave these two spots to guys who can contribute on special teams. So it was Tavier Thomas and Robert Jackson, both. Both guys who will scream down the field and make a tackle.
2: And I'd say Robert Jackson I would probably give a better chance than Tavier Thomas at the moment. But So you're saying you have gains out? I have gains out. Yeah. It'll gotcha. be interesting. And it seems like there's just been a lot of talk, and so it seems like a lot of the people that are covering the Browns are kind of reading between the lines that like a guy like Justin Burris might make the team as a safety. And he's like a special teams type player. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's going to be interesting to see where the delineation is between the number of corners and safeties and, like, who's playing what. Because there's a few guys that kind of blur the lines a little bit. We've got an Eric Murray that can play the slot. You know, Damaris Randall, we lined him up at corner all day long against the Bucks last year. Um, and, you know, even, like, Sheldrick Redwine can go down there and play, like, nickel nickel corner if you need to need him to. So it, it'll be interesting to see how no thanks those positions line up. <laughs> that guy, I don't like him playing safety.
1: If he wasn't a high draft pick, I don't think Redwine would make the team.
2: I tend to agree with you. He's looked a little rough so far. He looks better in the Bucks game.
1: He's the he's like the Chad Thomas of this year, where it's like you you did not do nearly enough in this camp to actually earn your spot. It's the fact that we've invested a, a
2: notable amount. In coincidence a that they both went to Miami. <laughs> Probably. Do we have a little blind spot in the front office for the <laughs> University of Miami? I a think it though. might be true. Just um, saying. Just all right, saying.
0: let's go. Let's keep going through. Let's. Uh, how about defensive line? Um, how many spots do you think fill the defensive line? Let's assume that Avery is one
2: of those defensive linemen. I'm just getting ready to be mad about Chad Thomas making the team because I'm, like, assuming he's going to make the team. He's done well. Win. And when he had one game where he made one play. That's good. And then good. he's been hurt. That's nice.
1: No. I want to know if Chad <laughs> Thomas is the guy we could just throw on IR. <gasps> we were talking about this, maybe it was before, before we started recording with um, DJ Montgomery that he got thrown on IR is probably just going to live his entire year there which is a great spot for him he gets paid mm-hmm. and he gets to be around the team seems yeah. like seems like chad thomas with his neck injury might need to go on ir where he doesn't take up a roster spot for us and he gets paid and gets to be around the team yeah well, but then he where do we, where do we, do go we even from know there? we could keep zettel i think it, i don't think we're keeping I don't, I don't think we're keeping chad thomas and anthony zettel
2: No, one of those two is getting the boot.
1: And I think Chad Thomas is the one who's going to win that battle every day of the week.
2: I hope that that's not true, because I think Matthew made the comment that you don't really mind getting rid of Zettel because he's a replacement-level player. But my point is, Chad Thomas is a below-replacement-level player. So you you keep the Anthony Zettel in this situation every single time.
1: Yeah, absent everything else, I mean... I think Chad Thomas has a higher ceiling if he ever puts it together. And also the amount that, I mean, people just aren't willing to admit that you've wasted a resource in selecting Chad Thomas. What was it, the first pick of the third round um, that we selected, Chad Thomas? I mean, that's... that's a pretty high draft pick 65 overall to go ahead and and pull the pull the plug on
0: yeah how long is this latency latency period like this is his last chance i think this is
1: the last year that he just gets to ride his draft pick slot yeah like going into next year he's gonna have to earn earn his spot because you can move on after that but oof
2: so defensive end is garrett vernon smith 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 is good like, and he's, he, I think he's pretty good. He's also paid a decent amount. So, like, I don't expect anything to happen with Chris Smith. I expect him to be on our roster. But he's one of those players that is probably in the gray area where it wouldn't entirely shock me if they decided to move on and not pay him. It's then, a possibility.
1: But then your backup DNs are Zettel, Avery, and Thomas.
2: I think Chris Smith earned a roster spot whenever we traded Emmanuel Agua. I think, like, he's in a... Pretty comfortable spot now, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to make that little comment that it wouldn't entirely shock me if he's, they decided to n- go in a different direction.
1: He's counting $4.4 million against the cap. There would be a $2.4 million dead cap hit if we would hey, get rid of him.
2: But still about $2 million that you save.
1: Still so about $2 million that you save. I think the, that $2 million difference, Chris Smith, is $2 million in cap space better than the next option that we have. No,
2: I like him. I like him. I hope he's on the team. Um, I hope Chai Thomas is not, and Zettel is, but I expect it to be Thomas. And then I think that you're probably only keeping... And then Janard Avery, those are all the defensive ends you're going to keep. You're not going to keep any more. So that's five. Yep.
0: And then what, you have four defensive tackles? Sheldon it, Richardson, Ogunjobi, um,
2: Lawrence, and Coley? Coley probably is the question yes, mark. Yes, I think Coley is fine. Um, I think... Danny Equale is, like, right in this conversation, too.
1: I think I think we'll talk about this with the O-line, too. I think the defensive tackle position is potentially one where um, when we line up, our 53 men when we face the Tennessee Titans is going to include a defensive tackle that is not currently on our roster. I think there's going to be opportunities to pick up guys who get cut from other teams, whether it's a salary cap, saving move, or, or whatnot. Because um, – then who Frank, are we is shelling frankly, out? frankly, Coley and Equale, like, I, they don't do much for me. Like, I could see I could see both one or both of them making this squad after Saturday and then getting cut later in the week when we pick somebody else up.
0: It's fair. All right, you mentioned offensive line. Let's move that way.
2: Um, Man, that one. I really hoped that we would have a solidified right guard by now, and we just don't. It's going to be a weak spot. Like watching that who offensive you, line get beat over and over again. Again, I mean that was the top offensive line playing against the Bucks, and Baker was on played, his toes. They, they played
1: bad, but our our right guard, which is our worst position, was lining up against Adamic and Sue every single time. Which that's that's a tough ask for for any offensive lineman, much less whatever scrub we're rolling out at, at right guard. Who do you who do you Hope is our starting right guard come week one against the Titans. I think there's two options, right? I hope it's Drew Forbes. You just want to roll with Drew?
0: I want him but I, I this is my I hope it's Drew Forbes in that he shows so much that he is capable to play that right guard position, which would mean that he has grown a ridiculous amount from the time he entered training camp until right now, that they feel confident putting him there. It's starting right guard. And if that happens then I feel like we're in a pretty decent position with how much he's going to learn throughout the season.
1: On the latest episode of Building the Browns, you heard James Campen talk about how Drew Forbes kind of grew. You could see him growing during those joint practices against the Colts, and he was one of the, the few players who really stood out as helping himself a yeah. lot. I mean, I think that's the that ideal
0: season. situation. Like Drew Forbes as he is right now, if, if they put him out there, that says something about how good he is.
1: But you trust our coaching staff more than a few years ago when we just threw yeah. out Desmond Harrison. Yeah, like, absolutely. Willie that did. was
0: last year. <laughs> <laughs> it's James Campen. I trust was James that Campen.
2: only
1: last year?
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. That was last year. In the year. preseason
1: when we were flip-flopping <laughs>
0: left
2: tackles all of a sudden. We didn't switch from him until Hugh Jackson got fired. He continued to start at left tackle until Hugh Jackson was fired.
0: What what about you, Matthew? Michael, what do you who do you guys want to be our starting right? I guard? I
2: guess True Forbes is probably my answer too, for the reasons that you stated. Um, part of me just hopes that we can get our hands on somebody from outside of our current roster right now
1: to start at right guard.
2: But the timing of that is tough,
1: right? So I don't, I don't, I don't. Maybe there might be a starting caliber right guard that we could get. Yeah, but I still don't think he starts week one against the Titans. <sighs>
2: So our talent level across the board on offensive line is poor. It's what any national pundit that wants to, like, poke holes in the Browns' chances this year is go straight to the offensive line, and it's fair. We have two solid spots, Batonio and Tredder. The rest, you can upgrade, right? True. So I've been thinking about this in the whole Trent Williams conversation, the fact that Trent Williams doesn't want to be there. It seems to be in Washington's best interest to actually unload him. If the Browns would actually trade for Trent Williams, which I've heard a lot of people calling for, and I certainly would not complain about. How does how do we play that out? I would say our third best offensive lineman is Greg Robinson at left tackle. And he's been entirely a left tackle now and has been improving in that particular spot. I think he's played a lot of other positions he in has, his career, but he's played terrible at when he was in those spots and he's played well in his recent stint at left tackle, and seemingly has only been improving as time has gone on.
1: Although, even if you, if you add Williams and drop Robinson entirely from the starting offensive line, you still have a much better offensive line than beforehand.
2: Agree. Agree. I fe- and I think that's probably the move. is I because think, I think you have what's pushing an elite
1: offensive line at that point. With Williams, Batonio, Treader forming that left side to center, and then you piece together the right side.
2: We had very little guaranteed money to Greg Robinson too. We can drop him with only like a half million dollar like dead cap hit. That was all that his signing bonus was. He has like no guaranteed.
1: Let's money. let's include him in a trade to Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Like as as a replacement body.
0: So what else would we have to put in there? Like what sort of compensation do you think they a design? draft pick? But yeah. it
2: just it's depends on what other people are willing to give them. What give would them.
1: you What would you be willing to, to give up at this point? Assuming it's like a draft pick for obviously, if you start including players, it gets it gets messy. But assuming we we give one or two draft picks for Trent Williams,
2: um, it entirely is, is centered around the conversation I have with Trent Williams' agent and their ability to like re-sign him long term because he's only he signed for two more years for two more
1: this year and one more after that
2: okay then maybe not i thought it was only one year then you feel pretty good about it regardless right i'd give a second round pick i'd give a second round pick for a top left tackle absolutely we have a window right now that like he really helps us maximize yeah and yeah i'd give a second round pick for that concerned about his age But I'd give a a second-round
1: pick plus. I might give like a second and a fifth. Yeah. Something like that. Second and a fourth, maybe.
2: Um, Yeah. I just think it's going to be interesting. I would be very excited if we decided to make a move for a top-tier left tackle like that. It would just give us so – that left side of our line would be so strong. There's
1: also rumors that Laramie Tunsell is potentially available in Miami, which is a whole different situation because he's only 25 years old And that's a situation where you might be willing to give up more than a second-round pick because you can sign that guy long-term and have him in the
2: building. He started at guard and went to left tackle last year or the year before? Two years ago. When Brandon Albert left. So he's been playing left tackle for two whole seasons now? Two or three, yeah. Okay. Um, Man. Uh, An upgrade on the offensive line, whether it's at a guard or at one of these elite for one of these elite tackles is the one thing I'm really hoping I see from John Dorsey this coming weekend.
1: Well, I think, and I think it'll be telling. I think it's in Dorsey's DNA to, to be aggressive, make these trades and go all in, not be, not be afraid of like, don't forsake the future or the current for the sake of the future. You know, you can, he can figure out draft picks. The the anti-Sashi, you know, uh, yeah, because they're in a different situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean,
2: we also s- have ten draft picks in the upcoming draft mm-hmm. right now.
1: Yeah, so might as well put them to good use if you can for, for the sake of the current or the present. Mm-hmm. So I would love I would love to see a Trent Williams trade. I would even potentially contemplate sending a first to to Washington for Trent Williams. He, he's he's a premier left tackle depending on how many years And we would have we him for think,
0: our window, seemingly, yeah. right? Depending Before on how many more years
1: you yeah. think he has left at,
2: at an elite level.
1: But, I mean, we've seen guys like Jason Peters in Philadelphia. He's like 36, and he was still
2: playing at, a, at an elite level. So, now, look at what's his face that went from – Whitworth. Whitworth's yeah. just crushing. Yeah. And he's like 38.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if, if that's the situation where you can get four or five good years out of Trent Williams <sighs> – what If we still had that, would be incredible.
0: What if we still had a fully healthy Joe Thomas right now? Fully healthy, be, don't, don't it'd let be me. Great, oh don't, no, don't make me go there. those are the things I like to think <laughs> about at night.
1: Heck, I'd throw out a 230 pound Joe Thomas at left tackle and take <laughs> See my chances. What <laughs> yeah,
0: he's not gonna get beat outside, <laughs> that's for sure. All right, just um, one more uh, t- last position group tight ends. How many tight ends do you think we we
2: roster? Do you think we bring anyone else in? I mean, I've been beating this drum forever but like once freddie came in we threw a lot more tight ends on the field and they we don't have a fullback we saw seth devalve kind of play that halfback fullback type blocking role in this buccaneers game and afterwards freddie kitchens made the comment that we will have a tight end that can play that position on our team and he was like very definitive about it that leads me to believe that there will be four tight ends on our team like you need to have guys if there's injuries you need to be able to like swap people out I just don't think they can run the packages and the, have the personnel on the field that they want to have with three tight ends only. How good do you think Seth DeValve is at fullback? Way better than me. <laughs> well, I just don't think
1: we're ever going to actually use a traditional fullback. So it doesn't matter. Like, whatever the dude's name is that's on the roster now, like, he's, yeah. he's an automatic cut. Um, if we keep four tight ends, Who's that fourth tight end? I mean, I'm keeping N- Brown. Njoku, Harris, DeValve, and Pharaoh Brown. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you really think we keep four tight ends?
1: I think it's possible, especially given that we're going to be light on linebacker because Th- our defense doesn't play a ton of linebackers. So those linebacker tight ends play the same position as a mm-hmm. linebacker would on the special teams. With the same body size, same mm-hmm. kind of limitations. So I think that tends to complement as far, as far as building as a out trade a full off. roster yeah. as a trade-off.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I feel pretty strongly we're going to have four tight ends. This is another position. It wouldn't shock me if we pick up somebody from the scrap heap, from another team. Um, we'll see. So
0: tight end, potentially, new person on our roster coming in week one, you think. What other positions do you think there's a
2: good chance that that might happen? Offensive line, which we just had that mm-hmm. conversation, is at the top of the list. And Matthew made the comment about defensive tackle. I think that's um, somewhat likely.
1: An offensive line could be at the high end with a, a trade for mm-hmm. a, a starter, or it could be on the back end, that like ninth offensive line oh, yeah. spot, who could come in as a as a veteran guard, who can come. I, I imagine it would be an interior guy at that point.
2: Yeah, and I don't really see it happening in any of the other positions, honestly. I think corner, we could. I think they like a lot of these young corners. I think there's going to be a tough decision. I think the corner decision, like we're not as well versed in like evaluating cornerback play from like where we sit as fans and watching the game and not even having the like coaches tape and all that sort of stuff and not being at practice as we are a position like wide receiver where we can like actually watch them run routes, see if they're getting separation, see what catches they're making. And you get stats on a receiver that you don't get. But I really think that the competition between those two, two position groups is really similar i think we have a lot of you know players on the back end of the cornerback room that are showing out and playing well i think a lindsey pipkins you know there's philip gaines i would
1: love it if pipkins made the roster just because
2: i love his name (sighs) it's great i mean there's a handful of these guys i think that the coaches actually like and want to want to see succeed i think it's going to be a tough call and they're going to stick with whoever they've got i don't see that being a, a position where we've plus corners are so desirable in the NFL right now in today's game that I don't think you're going to see like a particularly good corner come available out on the market. So we'll see. All right. I think that's going to
0: wrap it up. Thanks w- so much. Go ahead,
2: Michael. Oh, uh, one last game,
0: one last game coming up. We're playing the lions tomorrow. Um, six central time. Check your local listings, as they say. Um, I have no idea whether that'll be on TV. That's not my job. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to tell you that. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate you. Um, Be sure to check out all our other episodes. Listen to us on um, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. Send us an email if you have anything you'd like us to talk about. Um, We would love to answer those questions. Um, And most of all, go Browns. Go Browns. (laughs)